Well, welcome Trinity Church to another uh, podcast introduction. We're looking at the book of Acts, and this week we're looking at chapters 18 through 20. Um, in these chapters, you have Paul continuing his second missionary journey. Um, he moves from Athens to Corinth and spends about a year and a half in Corinth, uh, eventually returning to Antioch. And then we have his third missionary journey, which begins in Acts 19, where he um, moves to Ephesus and spends nearly three years there um, evangelizing, um, following the same kind of pattern that he's uh, done up to this point where he teaches uh, in Jewish synagogues. And then when they finally um, kick him out, he, he moves to focus uh, on the Gentiles, teaching in uh, Gentile, uh, what we might call lecture halls. Um, what I wanted to look at this week uh, are just three quick themes in these chapters. And there are themes that we've already seen in um, Acts, but um, we see them especially here. Um, and those are uh, these. Uh, first, just the suffering or the difficult work of Paul's ministry. And then next, that um, evangelism and the mission of God is the work of a community, not a single individual. And then finally, we get a few glimpses into the life of the early church that are interesting to look at. Um, so first, the difficult work of Paul's ministry. Um, we've seen throughout the book of Acts that Paul suffers tremendously for the gospel. I mean, this is something that Jesus says um, to, uh, I believe it's Ananias, when he will go and uh, uh, reach out to Paul um, or Saul at that point, um, as there are many things that... Uh, Saul or Paul will have to suffer for Jesus' name. And we just see those instances of suffering throughout the uh, book of Acts. And in these chapters, it seems as if um, the suffering finally kind of gets to him, um, so much so that Jesus appears to him in a vision and encourages him, um, assuring him that he will not suffer while he's in Corinth. Um, and, you know, the suffering on Paul's part, it, it, it proves um, just how committed he is to the health and the flourishing of the churches. And Paul often uses it in his letters. Um, he'll use it for, uh, well, we see him do that here um, in his address to the Ephesian elders at the end of this section in chapter 20, that Paul uses his suffering as a grounds for uh, calling the church to faithfulness to endure suffering, to emulate him um, as Paul emulates um, Christ. In fact, I think we've mentioned before that Luke writes Acts in such a way that we see uh, the ministry of Jesus and his um, direction, kind of Jesus uh, in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus sets his sights on Jerusalem. And so much of the Gospel is charting his approach into Jerusalem. And here we actually see in these chapters, Paul doing the same thing. He sets his sights on um returning to Jerusalem and then finally going to Rome. Um, and one thing to note is that, you know, Paul is an apostle. In these chapters, we see Paul's apostolic authority uh, manifested in profound, moving ways. Um, in chapter 19, um, a napkin or handkerchief that may have touched Paul could be taken to the sick and they would be healed. And yet, despite this great power he has, he is not impervious to exhaustion, to discouragement, um, to anxiety over the health of the churches. In um, 2 Corinthians, we see that um, suffering and struggle is an integral part of Paul's ministry and that God reveals his strength, as Paul says, through suffering, through vulnerability, through persistence, um, despite you know, public shaming, public threats to his life, 
um, getting kicked out of synagogue after synagogue, being being, um, being the victim of, of rioting. Um, that in all of this, uh, it's a kind of weakness because it's a shameful thing to to experience such uh, persecution or um, tribulation. And yet, in all of this, in the weakness uh, of Paul, God's strength is revealed. Um, what it shows us, kind of ultimately maybe, is that um, God's message of hope and salvation is not just a message of hope and peace and joy, but it's a message that includes an invitation to follow Jesus in the way of the cross. And that's what we see Paul doing, is kind of charting out what a committed Christian life looks like. And it's a life that is willing and at times embraces uh, the call to suffer. And um, just like Jesus embodies it in his ministry, we see Paul embodying um, being that kind of suffering servant um, in his own ministry. And so uh, we see, especially in these chapters, the, the difficult calling that Paul has, this, this work of uh, suffering and endurance that characterizes his ministry. Secondly, we see um, that evangelism and mission is not just the work of an individual, uh, of one individual, but it's the work of a community. Um, relationships, like there's a lot of relationships happening in these three chapters. Um, a lot of um, key figures are introduced. So you have Paul meeting Priscilla and Aquila in Corinth, and they share, uh, they share um, work as tent makers or uh, maybe leather crafters. You also have the arrival of Silas and Timothy, and when they show up, um, this frees Paul not to work as a tent maker any longer, but he can devote himself solely to preaching. You have the introduction of Apollos, who's a uh, eloquent preacher. You also have the elders of the Ephesian church introduced at the end of uh, or in, in chapter 20, and we see how uh, rich their relationship with Paul is, which I'll get to in a second. And so what, one thing we see from this is, and again, this is something we could have highlighted at any place in Acts maybe, but just that the spread of the gospel, that evangelism is not an individual work. It's a communal work. Um, these different individuals, Priscilla, Aquila, Silas, and Timothy, Apollos, they're all offering each other mutual encouragement. They have their different roles, different talents, different abilities, and they come together um, centered on Christ, and they use those talents and abilities, their strengths, to... Um, live on mission together and complement one another. And so Paul, at, at first, he's working with Priscilla and Aquila as a tent maker to fund his own ministry. When other guys show up who can, um, Silas and Timothy, who likely brought Paul a gift from another church, when they show up, Paul's able to devote himself solely to preaching. And so there's this ebb and flow um, with every new member of the community that comes in. They bring some kind of uh, role. They contribute in some way. And um, it frees up some members to expand their ministry. And so everyone's working together for the sake of the mission, um, for the sake of the spread of the gospel. We also see iron sharpening iron in these um, chapters. We see uh, Apollos, who's a brilliant preacher or speaker, um, but needs some theological refinement. And so Priscilla and Aquila hear him preaching and they, um, they draw him aside and say, look, you need to get a better grasp of the gospel and who Jesus is. And Apollos receives that criticism and instruction. Um, and again, like I said a second ago, all these relationships are not centered around, you know, common affinities or cultural affinities that they share, but they're centered around Christ and Christ's calling. Um, that's what binds them in this deep friendship. And that's what shapes their life together. And that leads us to this last uh, 
theme to draw out in these chapters, and that's the that we get a few glimpses of the early church life in, in Acts 18 through 20. You get a little peek at um, the rhythm of life. Um, this is the first instance in Acts where we see um, it mentioned that the early church worshipped on the first day of the week. Um, it says that they gathered on the first day of the week to break bread, um, referring to uh, the Lord's Supper. And there we have Paul teaching, and, and this is that kind of sad, tragic, but ultimately um, kind of a, a, comed- a comedic kind of story where um, Eutychus is listening to Paul, and, it, and Paul is speaking late into the night, and there are uh, lamps burning, and probably the fumes are making Eutychus a little bit uh, drowsy, so he moves over to the window, but it's a third-story window. He ends up falling asleep and falling out of the window, and he dies, but Paul brings him back to life. Um, and so it's kind of a it ends up being a, 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 a happy ending, though it had a tragic, um, uh, a tragic low point. Um, but, but what we see there is that the church is coming together regularly on the first day of the week to break bread, to celebrate the Lord's Supper, and they're gathering around the teaching of the Word as Paul preaches and teaches. Um, and so we see the, the rhythm of the church established. We also see a rich... Um, uh, relationship, um, especially between Paul the Apostle and the elders of the Ephesian church. Um, Paul calls the elders of the Ephesian church to, together and he says, look, I'm going to be leaving. I'm heading for Jerusalem and Rome and you're never going to see me again. Um, and so he gives them this final address. And in that address, he emphasizes, um, Paul emphasizes his own uh, faithfulness in his ministry. Um, he he uh, calls their attention to the fact that they're going to face persecution in the future. He calls them to be vigilant, to be alert, for their, because there's going to be you know, wolves, um, deceivers, who are going to try to lead people astray. He says, remember my ministry of tears and admonishment. He calls them to attend to God and his word. Uh, he calls them to emulate uh, generosity, not to be greedy for gain as leaders, because it's more blessed to give than to receive, and so Paul calls these elders to a to sacrificial generosity and leadership um, that they don't need to be in uh, the ministry in order to gain. Um, and Paul's words of farewell: there's challenges, you know, there's um, uh, there's warnings of difficulty to come. But um, as Paul um, uh, addresses the Ephesian elders, his words are met with uh, weeping. Um, the elders are sad to see him go. And so you see this beautiful, rich relationship. Paul and his apostolic authority is like a spiritual father to the Ephesian church, and they relate to him um, in that way. And so when he declares his departure, it's like they're losing their spiritual father, in a sense. And so they weep over his his leaving. Um, and so, you know, you have you have them gathering together on the first day. Um, you have them breaking bread together. You have them sitting under the the uh, preaching and teaching of the word, but you also have this rich fellowship um, between um, Paul the apostle and uh, the elders of the church. Um, they're, they're, they are a spiritual family, a, a father and sons, and their relationship is the fruit of their baptism and Paul's own faithful ministry as a spiritual father. Um, so those are just a couple or a few themes that we see in these chapters. Um, the suffering, uh, the difficulty of Paul's ministry, um, the uh, the evangelism and mission of the church as a work, as a communal work, not just an individual work, and then some 
little glimpses into the uh, life of the early church. Uh, hopefully that will help to frame a little bit um, the uh, chapters as you uh, sit down and read them as a home group. Um, next week, we're going to look at uh, chapters 21 through 23. So until then, take care.